Welcome to Must Contain, the podcast from Atumos, where we help explain the how of marketing, although we can't always explain the why. And also where we are desperately trying to live up to that theme song. That theme song's great, right? I mean, I can't believe we're so lucky to have the amazingly talented Rusty working for Atumos, and he put that together. <laughs> I, like, who gets a theme song like that? I don't yeah, really know. I mean... All right, moving on. Uh, I'm Kristen. <laughs> and I'm Kristen. And yes, we did consider calling this Between Two Kristens. You won't always hear from both of us, but on this inaugural episode, it seemed fitting. And I am Kristen Crow, Director of Consulting Operations for Atumos, also known as OGK. I am Kristen Caridio, the VP of Revenue and Client Results here at Atumos, also known by my initials, KAC. And every other week or so, we will be joining you to break down a marketing or corporate buzzword or hot topic or just something we're hearing our clients talk about. We'll talk about what that concept really means, sometimes amongst ourselves and occasionally with a resident, air quotes, expert. We're marketing ops nerds, so getting to the real processes uh, behind some of these concepts is important to us. And we're pretty skeptical of most marketing buzzwords. And we know you are too. So if you're the kind of person who's had to stifle a little bit of an eye roll or like stifle a giggle or, you know, something of that nature. When you're somebody from your C-suite tells you to execute on a brand new and exciting strategy, this is the podcast for you. And this week we're talking about ABM, which I know all of us have experience with because it's been a buzzword and a strategy for a long time. Marketing trends come and go and then come again, a bit like flare leg jeans and yoga pants. But ABM feels like it's here to stay, at least for a little while. We're joined this episode by Kelly Jo Horton, senior client partner here to Tumos and longtime MOPS practitioner and advocate. Kelly Jo, do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Kelly Jo Horton, and the term ABM is very triggering for me. <laughs> That'll work as an intro, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we wanted you to join us because we know you have opinions, right? So uh, other than being triggering, what does ABM mean to you, Kelly Joe? Well, let's talk a little bit about what people think ABM means and what it is and what it isn't. So it isn't a piece of software, which is the first thing I want to say. And people think, oh, I bought this ABM software. I'm doing ABM. It's not software. It's a strategy. It's not a sales strategy. It's an overarching strategy. And that's why there's an M in ABM for marketing. It's not ABS. It's not account-based sales. It's account-based marketing. Great. So now we know ABM is account-based marketing. And <laughs> I know, Kelly Joe, that you've done some recent polling 
on this. And you did talk a little bit about what ABM isn't, but let's start with uh, what you found out from the masses and talk a little bit more about what isn't ABM. Yeah, so I did a poll um, asking people, is ABM really ABS sort of where you work, which basically what I've seen um, with all of the places I've worked and the clients I've worked with is a lot of times uh, clients think ABM is sales buys a tool that scrapes LinkedIn or whatever, and um, then they import 100 contacts from each company and they just start selling to them. That There's no marketing in that. That is account-based sales, which is part of ABM too, but that's not all it is. So the poll that I that I had up um, asked people if they're doing ABS or ABM or if they think ABM is ABS and, and most people, and I would assume most of these people, I could look at who voted which way, but I won't tell, but <laughs> I figured that salespeople would say they were doing ABM no matter what. And that yeah. the MOPS people would say, no, you're not, you're doing ABS, which is very true of how the poll yeah. broke out. So if, you know, we know that a bunch of organizations are doing what, you know, you've called ABS, how do we put the marketing, the M back into ABM? I think it's easiest. Uh, first of all, you have to have great communication, right? Between sales and marketing. This is not a decision made by marketing or sales. It's a, it's, it's a strategy created between marketing and sales, and there has to be an agreement across the board what that strategy is. So let's talk about who, where it's not useful. Who can't do ABM? If you are selling direct to consumers, consumers like an individual like me, I'm not an account unless I'm spending a billion dollars with you or a million dollars with you or something <laughs> like that. But if I'm just, you know, out buying paper clips, you know, at, at Staples or somewhere, I'm not a target for ABM. However, Staples is a target for ABM for whoever manufactures Staples. So it's looking at, um, you know, your consumer side and then your B2B side. So on your B2B side, yes, you could do account-based marketing to Staples because they buy a lot of paper clips, but you're not going to use it for someone like me who buys paper clips once every five years or gets them free at conferences. So <laughs> that's, that, so you need to know in order to use ABM, you need to know your, who your customers are. So if you're in a market that has a very specific vertical, you're a good candidate for ABM. Um, if you're in a, in a market where you can sell to anyone um, and you don't have any big whales of customers, it's not a good strategy for you. Um, so one of the things that I think you had alluded to and is a huge pet peeve of mine is when, um, I've in the past had a client, let me just note, none of the two most current clients are doing this, of course, but in the past when I've had a client, um, you know, say, oh, well, we purchased whatever platform demand base engagement, whatever. So we're doing ABM. So, you know, obviously that skips the strategy. It skips a lot of, uh, you know, everything that you ran through that is supposed to lead up to the tech purchase, but where does the tech actually fit in? Cause I think that that's something where a lot of our marketing ops, you know, folks struggle once they're told, Hey, this organization has switched to an ABM strategy. Wow. There's depending on how much money you have, um, you could build out a great stack that will help you with your ABM. And of course, 
tools like um, Demandbase now, Engageo, part of Demandbase, whoever is doing your, uh, whoever you're buying software from is a great tool for, for seeing your efforts in a dashboard. So it is displaying your efforts across the board um, by account or by contact or by opportunity. And that's basically what, what the main focus of those tools are. Some of them also uh, will go out and um, give you the opportunity to append data to accounts, um, to go scrape places like LinkedIn and bring new contacts in. Um, but that is at the end where you're actually selling to people. So at the beginning, first of all, you have to identify who your accounts are and who your buyers are, who your influencers are in those accounts. That starts on the marketing side, not the sales side. So you could have a predictive uh, analytics tool, a Sixth Sense or Lattice or something like that that is going to look at your current data in sales and tell you who your best, what your best customer looks like. Very informative. Um, you could use a tool like Bombora to that does surge data that tells you if those people who are in those accounts are actually searching on your competitors or keywords around what, what it is you sell. Um, you need a marketing automation tool, of course. Um, with all the strategy that's the same as sales. Um, and what I what I would like to say is, if I can give an example of what an ABM strategy looks like with, and, and I thought of something that's very topical for this. We have a huge worldwide problem with supply chain right now. If you are selling supply chain software, you should be targeting all of these people. Right, because we have shipping containers sitting at ports. We have ships out at yeah. sea waiting to get in. We have not enough trucks to deliver. We have empty shelves at, at all the stores. So if you are selling supply chain software, you're selling to all of these big accounts, but you're not selling the same ways. You have to think of your overall strategy and targeting to these specific accounts. So if I have an ad that's running somewhere and I'm trying to uh, get the people in the shipping industry, I'm not going to put a picture of a truck. I'm not going to put a picture of a plane. I'm going to target that with some sort of banner or graphics that it makes sense to them. So it's more than just knowing your accounts. It's knowing what's important to them, knowing what's relevant to them, and then having dynamic content that targets them and and interest them and it has to be consistent across all of your digital footprint do you in your experience or working with companies know of a company that's done this particularly well a good example of someone who's set up a strong abm strategy or has launched a strong abm campaign that you can talk about um i would say uh and this is super old school right back when i worked at tektronics they sell soft, they sell hardware mostly, right? Very specific market, very vertical. Not everybody needs an oscilloscope, right? Or some sort of, um, or, or, or a piece of equipment that detects noise in streaming video. So wow. we knew, we knew our market really well. 
right? We knew the verticals really well. We knew who the companies were that bought our project products. Now there are individuals out there who are who just geek out on oscilloscopes and will buy one, right? They they are there. Never even heard of that word, oscilloscope. Yeah. What? <laughs> question. What is an oscilloscope? What's an oscilloscope? Also, how do you spell it? <laughs> Let's not, this is not a spelling bee. This is podcast. So don't make me, I can spell it, but I'm not going to do it on a podcast. <laughs> so, so these products are all about um, sound waves, noise, things like that. Just detecting noise in things or specific sound waves. And so what we did was, first of all, we thought we knew all of our customers. We were sure we knew all of our customers. Then. I finally convinced them to try predictive analytics and we were going to use it for predictive um, lead scoring and to find customers that we hadn't found before. And so at the time we implemented Lattice um, engine, Lattice engines, it's not to be confused with Lattice semiconductor. So Lattice engines um, is like six cents, Mintigo, I don't know if Mintigo is still around, but Mintigo, those sorts of um, predictive analytics vendors. Um, so they go and look at all of your customers and what they have in common. Those are your closed one deals, right? What they have in common and the closed lost ones, they put that in there too. What do they have in common? Um, they surfaced uh, so many new customers that we hadn't even thought of because it comes back with, you know, this is what your ideal prospect looks like, your ideal customer. So first of all, find out who your customers are, which is what we did at Tektronics. We found out, okay, we're missing. We thought we knew, but we were missing some really good um, target customers. Then design your creative to target those people. Because if you're selling into the video streaming industry, it's different than if you're selling into the aerospace industry. Obviously, different graphics, different language, um, different buyers. So we changed everything when we started looking at doing ABM, like really doing ABM, not just buying a piece of software, but having a strategy that was across products and across continents. Yeah, once we put that together and did predictive uh, lead modeling and scoring, we found that that when sales called on those people that we surfaced through all of our other methods, when they got to sales, they closed deals at a like a 2x rate or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was. It was a while ago. But knowing how to target them, how to talk to them, it was key. And I think that's kind of a really important point. From my perspective, the companies that I have seen successfully launch an ABM strategy and make that transition from kind of traditional funnel, you know, marketing to more of an account-based strategy are folks that were willing to put in the time to pilot and really figure out what the measurement of that success should be at milestones, right? I, I mean, we work with a lot of companies who have 12, 18, 24 month sales cycles. And I think if you're thinking about you know, really transforming your marketing in this way, onboarding tech, putting in the investment to to do this, you know, making six different versions of your creative that are going to appeal to all of those verticals and personas within those verticals. Um, 
from the start, figuring out what your leading signals are that this is working uh, is really important. And that's, you know, something that I have seen folks that have successfully done it do well is say, okay, well, at three months, we should have this much in the pipeline sourced from these campaigns or, um, you know, something of that, of that nature. Yeah. So those, those are having those milestone metrics, I think is really important. What other metrics should organizations that are looking to start an ABM strategy or looking to better their ABM strategy be looking at? Well, it's not clicks and opens and emails. <laughs> that's that's another one of my. It's big never topics. clicks and opens. Yeah, I was ever. gonna say. <laughs> when is it clicks and opens? Uh, clicks take and note, open. everyone. Did everyone listen to that? It's not clicks and opens. Okay. No. Clicks mm-hmm. and opens do not equal success. Okay, so yes, actually, yes, setting up ABM. Um, probably good idea to set up your KPIs at the same time. Like how to how you're going to measure. Success. Is it, you know, do you start with your paid media and are you doing multi-touch attribution on a weighted weighted scale or first touch or last touch and who gets credit for all of this? And you better decide on that upfront and not after. Uh, so you know if it's working or if you need to change it. And I think I agree, I think Kristen adds at this, that it takes time. Like you can't just launch something and and mm-hmm. and ask if it's successful in two weeks or a month, especially if you have a really long sales cycle. You have to look at it over time to see if it's successful. These things take time. And I think the measure of whether it's successful or not is may change depending on your your sales cycle. Your measure of success at three months versus 18 months is going to be different, right? Like 18 months, it's going to be revenue attributed to the campaign if that's how long your sales cycle is. At three months, it might be, you know, you might have to go into some of those metrics that I think don't make us on the marketing ops side super comfortable, but like meetings booked, right? Um, you know, make sure that you have your, your life cycle measurement really locked down so that you can see people moving through the funnel and see what that velocity of people moving through the funnel is what is the problem you're trying to solve with ABM? Is it velocity? If so, like that's your leading metric to make sure that, you know, you are starting to solve that problem, I think. So really mapping those out, uh, it gives you the basis because what happens in marketing these days, right? Like stakeholders turn over all the time. Mm-hmm. One stakeholder start is like, we have to go, you know, do ABM, because this is how we're going to increase our number of closed deals because of X, Y, and Z. And they may have a really good reason for wanting to do that. They take another job somewhere else, someone else comes in. And so like having those key measurements along the way to be able to say to the organization, not just, you know, the person whose idea it was, (laughs) this is actually working, I think is really important. I just want to emphasize one thing you said, because in case people missed it, know why you're doing ABM. Ask yourself why. Don't just let, if somebody comes down and says, we're buying an ABM tool, ask them why and what they're hoping to get out of it. And definitely ask the why questions because just buying a tool is not going to make you successful in any realm, right? Marketing automation doesn't make successful marketers. ABM doesn't make successful sales. So it's not magic. No, it's not magic. Some people do think it's magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I completely agree. I think that's 
part of the problem, especially with ABM, is someone comes in or comes down from the top or buys a tool and says, hey, this is the latest and greatest. We're doing ABM. And no one stops to ask what the goal is, what the objective is, how they're going to be measured, what you know, what they're trying to accomplish with that need. And I'm curious, uh, from your perspective, Kelly Joe, what are some other common mistakes that customers are making when they're implementing ABM or thinking about implementing ABM? I think the first question they usually someone asks, right? If 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 we're consulting is what have you seen other customers do? How do they do it? And the answer is it's very specific to your business, your go-to-market, how you sell, the product you sell, how many people you have on your team, if you're global, if you're just US. It has it's it's not a one size fits all. You know, I would go in and and encourage the clients, the companies, whoever to do some discovery and really figure out like what we talked about, what you hope to get out of it, what your goals are, why you're doing it, and just start somewhere. Don't have this, you know, paralysis around doing it exactly right the first time. Start somewhere and just start. And then you can always change, you know, as you go. But it starts with communication between sales and marketing and having the first discussion. For sure. And, you know, we, you talked a little bit about starting somewhere, doing some discovery. Are there any tips and tricks you have for people to easily identify if ABM would work for them, if it's something they should even get started with, or if they are in fact a paperclip company selling paperclips to Kelly Joe and shouldn't even bother? <laughs> um, so some of the, the ways that I've done discovery in the past is had um, with marketing and sales together, have, have sales um, look at their closed one deals. I mean, if you're not going, if you don't have the money to buy a tool that's going to do that for you, but but really look at your closed one deals. Then go back and look at the journey of how those people got there from lead gen all the way through to closed one. Then you start seeing patterns. So look for looking for patterns. What what worked and what didn't, like looking at your successful marketing campaigns in relation to closed one deals, looking at the ones that failed miserably, like no engagement. Um, but it's important to understand the customer journey. So looking back and doing some reverse engineering on your closed one and closed lost deals um, all the way through the funnel. All of that is possible without the tech, right? Like the fancy, shiny ABM tech definitely allows you to much more easily scale those processes. But again, I think, you know, starting at a place where you're almost piloting some of these strategies into a specific vertical or with a specific persona, that's one way that you can do this without doing the investment in the tech. The investment in the tech, in my view, should be to scale something that's already working, not to start something that you don't know if it's going to work, right? Correct. I think... So if if you're a person in an organization who is trying to convince your marketing and sales to adopt an ABM strategy, then it's going to take a little bit of a manual labor on your part to go through and do that reverse engineering discovery that I just talked about. And that that you can present to sales and marketing to say, look, I have found these patterns in, in our successful clients, the sales, right? 
but you have to do, yeah, it's a little bit of manual work, probably a lot mm. of manual work. Lot, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So if you can't afford the tools, you can still do it. And you can do it successfully. I mean, you don't need a dashboard to tell you if something worked or not. Right. I mean, you can. Nice to see. But it yeah. is nice to see. Sure. Who doesn't love a pretty picture, especially when you're in marketing? But yeah. Are you making money or are you not making money? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you can still create, you know, views and lists in your CRM or, Absolutely. In, yeah. or in your marketing automation platform. Yeah. So you can do it. It's just not going to be as fancy. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> I'll put you on the spot. What is your best ABM acronym that <laughs> isn't account-based marketing? Uh, all about me. <laughs> is that sales saying that? All about me? Right. Yes. That's your... <laughs> yes. Sales. All about me. What about you guys? Do you have one? Oh, man. No. <laughs> Putting yeah. you on the spot now. See, yeah. How, yeah. see how it feels? See how yeah, it feels? I... I feel like when you're marketing, you're you're just always be marketing. So what whatever new latest and greatest always be marketing thing like it that. is, it's got always be marketing. So whatever always the the new acronym is, it has something to do with marketing, no matter what. <laughs> I think that that might be a new LinkedIn post. What does ABM, <laughs> what does ABM stand for? Wrong answers only. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> would love to see what people come up with. That would be, I'm I'll sure we'd get some I'll real gems. I'll be posting that after, after we get off this podcast. <laughs> That's a great way to kind of wrap our discussion. Um, and uh, here are the three things that you really need to know about ABM. If you know nothing else about it, if your boss is coming to you and asking you, these are the three things that you need to know to help make your organization successful. So the first one that Kelly Joe really emphasized is knowing why you are doing this. Why is the organization taking on an account-based marketing strategy? Uh, are you selling to specific verticals? Are you selling into very specific personas? Who are they? Where are they? What do they like? Your sales team probably already knows a lot about this, but your data also knows. And part of what marketing's job is, is to marry those two things, your sales team's opinion on who they're selling into and what works best and what the data, the closed one opportunities, the closed lost opportunities, the successful marketing campaigns, the unsuccessful marketing campaigns, what that's all really telling you. The second thing to know is while your mature ABM strategy probably requires technology to scale, you can get started with a pilot without the technology. So that is all, those are all things that you can do without buying and investing in a lot of tech. The investment should come once you have shown some success. Speaking of success, the third thing that you have to know about ABM is for the love of everything, figure out how to measure success before you start making changes to your processes and stack. This is not an easy transformation for an organization to make. And if you're going to do it, know if it's successful or not, be able to measure it. Absolutely. I think hopefully everyone got a little bit of something from our discussion today. Big thanks to Kelly Joe for coming on. Uh, be on the lookout for her LinkedIn discussion on what ABM really stands for in our minds. Mm -hmm. And that is must contain ABM. Want to thank everyone for joining us in our inaugural episode. We will be back in two weeks with another great MOPS topic. Until then, Double check your and or campaign logic every time. 
This episode was produced by Kristen Crow, Kristen Caridio, Lindsay Walter, and Ali Stoltzfus. It was edited by Kristen Crow. Theme music by Rusty Hall. Special thanks to Kelly Jo Horton and our podcast consultant, Carolyn Leiden. That's it for Must Contain. I'm Kristen Crow, and we'll see you in two weeks. Oh, you're still here. I'm actually kind of glad about that. I have one more small favor to ask. We're a new podcast, and we're looking for all the support we can get. If you enjoyed this episode, will you subscribe on whatever platform you're currently listening? And might you consider sharing this episode with some of your friends so they can also subscribe? We appreciate your support, and we appreciate you listening. This is Must Contain, and we'll be back in two weeks.